0: Professor Maheen Ahmed from Ghent University is telecasting in for a video cast with Professor Latinx, and we're going to talk about Maheen's work on monsters, kids, gender, race, and whatever else comes. Um, welcome, Maheen. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. So, oh, <coughs> excuse me, I got something to start. What, tell us, share a little bit about your journey, um, how you came to comics um, and you've got several books now that you've published, a very important book um, where you kind of grow concepts, new generative concepts from Umberto Eco's notion of the kind of, um, uh, the, the opera aperta, the open work, but how did you get to this place of researching and writing books on comics?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it was a bit of a hazard, let's say it was a bit by chance because I I'm not and I didn't read many comics as a kid, so when I. A roommate of mine at the university introduced me to Arkham, Asylum's, um, Arkham Asylum Grant Morrison's and Dave McKean's Arkham Asylum. She was reading it while we were doing our BA. And that's when I got interested because it was so different from what I'd imagined comics to be. I'd only read Tintin and Asterix before, but yeah, just briefly. I enjoyed them, but I had, it wasn't my main reading experience. And um, I I did, I, I worked, I did a double degree that sort of focused on both literature and visual culture. And when I had to, when it came to that step in life when you have to pick a doctoral project, I, my supervisor also just encouraged me to find something that can combine both aspects. And, and I didn't want to lose those worlds. And that's that's why I got to working on comics, but basically trying to figure out why certain artists or writers are inspired or use certain kinds of word image combinations, where how the what those word image combinations where they come from, what they can mean, how many different layers of references there are in them, which is yeah. Basically, how do you translate an idea into words and images and how, why do you select like those particular words and images and combine them in that particular way. So it's it's a very big question and because of that I think the research has sort of gone into different directions or different ways of thinking about that question.
0: So give us a, uh, in something like the openness of comics, I know you're very interested in the medium itself and genre. Can you give us uh, some examples of some um, sort of discoveries made there, some comics in particular, and what it is about comics or genre, the medium itself that can open to um, generative meaning or maybe even close to meeting?
1: Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of the comics I, I talk about and openness, they're, they're, they're contemporary and they're, they're, they play with the medium in different ways. So they try to break away from convention. You see that in Arkham Asylum, for instance, with Dave McKean's collages and with this um, this figuration of Batman, which is incredible, right? Because you never really see Batman. And then obviously Grant Morrison's story that sort of portrays this very disturbed Batman, which in itself was not new for the time, but just that combination that meeting of Morrison and McKeen in that book, it's um is is striking because it's so layered, right? So the images are so have different references in them and then the story itself has combined, like Morrison's esoteric interests with well the whole Batman universe and more and more and more. So, um, Other interesting because openness sort of tries to bridge work across cultures. So I, I really like this, um, this Finnish comic from, from an artist called Marco Turunen. I, I think, I, I think it still hasn't been translated into English, but it has been translated into French and it's something about, it's called Death Rides By and it's a very, yeah, it's, it's, it's got these characters that are monstrous and childish at the same time, and i don't i didn't realize that link that interest in the while I was reading it but it's um it's it's and it uses it's it's in comic form so it has panels and gutters but it's um it it works like these old negatives sort of blurred out at the same time, so it has different Way of coloring and a story that is very—it seems anecdotal, anecdotic, or anecdotal—but it's um, it you, it takes time for you to read it, and I and I think that's what um, that that could be this what I've found in openness was that just that stories that offer different modes of um, reading in reading them, whether that be through the re- visual references or whether through a certain kind of theme that is um self-reflexive or a fiction for instance that combines its life writing with fictional twist and yeah obviously this play on disjunction right disjunction disjunction between what you see and what you read and then between the different panels much as has been made up of that made of that but I, I think there is something about the fragmentation in comics that sort of enables artists and writers to play with them, play with the possibilities of meaning that you can bring yeah, you in comics. Seem,
0: you seem very interested in kind of excavating that site of kind of hesitation even between one form and another or between one, say, ontology, uh, say, the the kind of monster and the human Um, so tell me, yeah, let's talk about monsters, kids and comics.
1: Huh. Okay, great. I I see you've got some of, you've got some of the important books there. Um, yeah, so this is going in a completely different direction in a way, because it's, it's not, it's not so theory heavy. It's basically about trying to understand where certain comics monsters, particularly certain good comics monsters come from and at the same time it, tr- it tries to show how romanticism sort of persists through these good comic monsters so sort of continues in popular culture through these figures so i start with yeah Ma- Mary Mar- Mar- shelley's frankenstein um victor hugo's uh, the man who laughed gwendolyn who was the main character who was who had a scar in the form of a smile Mm-hmm. And Baudelaire's ennui, so this very um, abstract monster that's quite complicated and yeah, de- what he calls it, a delicate monster that you can't sort of contain in space and time, but is always sort of present, right? And it is a monster that you have to sort of grapple with but on, on a mental or psychological plane. I And I, and I sort of take elements from these monsters, so this ungraspability of an Onui, for instance, or this patchwork uh, aspect of Frank hovers between being human and not being human, or wanting to be human, but being denied humanity. And I try to f- find out how those elements are present in... Contemporary, well, relatively contemporary comics monsters such as the Swamp Thing. I focus on Alan Moore's run of the Swamp, swamp Thing, and I look at Hellboy, and I look at this tetralogy by Unki Bilal, a French comics artist writer who, um, yeah, who also works with a very um, elusive monster, sort of literally. Uh, you can't. It, it doesn't have a form, or it keeps on changing form, and. I look at Jim, James O'Barr's *The Crow*, and for the conclusion, I do I, I talk about my favorite thing is monsters because of it. it sort of captures a this comics fascination for monsters, but also how comics themselves in, talk about their own history in a way and sort of refigure it. And part of the book is also about tracing the visualization of monsters from romanticism until today so i also look at goya's images of monsters and blake's discussion of monsters and that too is something you find in um my favorite thing is monsters where um karen Karen is always looking at these works of both fine art but also comics themselves and she sort of interacts with them in the story. And she also sort of is, is plays out the genre of um, horror comics and detective comics while creating this visual space as well.
0: Right, yeah. So- very <clears throat> My favorite thing uh, is Monsters, is um, a kind of education of the senses in and through art, but art coming yeah. from everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. That, that's what I love about it, how she, she sort of just combines visual impulses from, mm-hmm. well, yeah, left, right, and center. And, and it works, right? Because everything sort of is relevant in its space and if it, in its context
0: what do you do how what do you how do you read hellboy um you know i you know uh both as a kind of yeah tell me how do you read hellboy according to your kind of approach and concepts so
1: there's um there. i i look at Hellboy from the lens of a nostalgia for these long forgotten worlds because um, as you Kidman said, Hellboy is a very, it's a very bookish comic, right? Because it's always about others, fairy tales, transposing other fairy tales, myths, legends, whatever, into this um, comics world. So one aspect is um, the nostalgic one because Hellboy's world, towards the end, Hellboy is always trying to save a world that's disappearing. We have that sense even in the beginning, right? It's this paranormal space that is increasingly limited and you have these paranormal creatures sort of struggling to maintain their space. And that's why they sort of entrench into the human space. But there's also um, the, the element of the quest. So the romantic hero, um, as theorized in literature, is always on this quest. To get somewhere, to or a quest for that should ideally culminate in um, in a wholesome, holistic, better self-understanding of their space, place in the world, right? And Hellboy's Hellboy's quest is about that, about understanding himself as a monster fighting on the for humans or trying to protect humans and trying to sort of understand where he stands, but. Um, it's a hopeless quest from the beginning, right? So it's a doomed quest. And on top of that, there's always this, the solitude of the protagonist. And that is also something that monsters especially the comics monsters I talk about, they inevitably embody that solitude because, well, they're monsters and they're good monsters. So they're destined to be alone mm. and yeah.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Um, Tell us a little bit about your discoveries, your work um, on race and gender in comics. And I'm thinking in particular of the wonderful chapter that you have in the forthcoming gender and sexuality in comics.
1: Yeah, um, so, so this is a completely, this goes on a different, yeah. Tangent almost, but it's, it's linked in the sense that I here I try to follow visual stereotypes, but of, I, I focused on race and how race has been stereotyped in, um, in general. So, how black people have been portrayed in print and popular culture, and how that has been transferred onto comics and then. Yeah, sort of mainstreamed. I, I, I think my problem was yeah, it's, it's it's a very familiar problem, right? This this these racial caricatures because they're usually just dismissed as being caricatures and they're supposed to be acceptable because they're just comics or they're they're made to um entertain or provide humor or be satirical but i i I really feel like these racial caricatures are deeply harmful and and that they they really do need to be unpacked and re-criticized and rethought right because they don't come from nowhere they come from a whole and that's what i try to show in this chapter they come from a whole history of um yeah, reducing a certain, yeah, community or ethnicity or whatever. And I I, I introduced this concept of soft hate because I think when great, when stereotypes, such stereotypes are at work at comics, what they do is they, they enact this kind of hate that seems innocuous and innocent and unharmful but that is really very um, pernicious because it's precisely because it seems innocent or just something that's made to entertain or to or yeah or to distract and for that I turned to Sarah Emmett's concept of stickiness and how certain emotions get stuck to images and bodies and how the emotions themselves have a certain history that they come from somewhere and they have a certain context. And I try to show how, yeah, look, the representation of black boys and girls in comics is sort of layered with this, with this hate that is almost consistent, barring a few examples. So we have caricatures, the called Paul Lemos, um, and Ebony White, for instance, but, and it's only until very recent that, recently that you have something like Boondocks that sort of undoes that kind of, um, caricature completely or walks away from it, but also criticizes it at the same time in its, um, its jokes. And yeah, you have Joan Osborne's Patty Joe comics that, well, we, I, I'd, I'd really like to see more work on. Yeah, really, really,
0: really important, exciting areas that we need to, to continue uh, working on, right? Um, children in comics. Yeah, so y- this is, I think, another area that we really need a lot more work on, and I know this is where you are doing a lot of work. Um, tell Share with us some of your sort of discoveries here.
1: Um, yeah, so this is coming from a project that we'll talk about later. So, this, this chapter is, as it announces, it's about showing how children in comics somehow are, can be positioned between trying to educate while trying to entertain at the same time, and how this kind of... Um, how, how, uh, how the, the comics are often a tussle between education and entertainment. But and again, I try to go back to the older comics from the late 1900s, so like the Yellow Kid, and um, a British comic comics magazine that started in the in 1938 called the Beano, and look look at a few kids from that as well. And I I try to draw a connection to the childishness. Of the style, or how ch- and how children and, com- and humor have been connected. There's a there's a French um, psychologist called Nelly Forhan, and she talks about how children and comics have have childish laughter has been linked to either um, social critique on one hand, but also a certain kind of entertaining or dismissive logic on the other but it's it's a kind of space that is um that allows you to do both and try to bring that back to um children in comics by looking at how a lot of comics children got away with doing very naughty things sometimes they were punished sometimes they were not but this varied according to say that the audience whether the comic was completely for children or adults mm-hmm. and he, I think that's that yeah and that they have a certain kind of agency as well that is uh, because I, I think the fascinating fascinating aspect of children in comics is that they they they're obviously not very <laughs> realistic Representations of children, right? So they have a lot more freedom than ordinary children would ever have. Even but they're also sometimes caught up in these very violent situations, which is what you see in say even in these Victorian in Victorian comic strips, the Victorian comic strip that we know that we have, which is Max and Moritz, which in turn criticizes Struab. Peter that was an earlier illustrated book for children sort of which which was surprisingly very gruesome for and something that you would not expect for its time right so it was was to it it sort of combined this idea of educating children while entertaining them through providing them with these very um, shocking images so the kids they, um, yeah, there's blood. If there's someone who mocks um, the three kids who mock a black kid, or and they're sort of dipped in ink for um, that, sort of stuck to their bodies forever. So every action in that in that instrual picture has this very um, drastic consequence, and that that continues in Max and Morris as well, where the kids at, at the end are just flattened right They're flattened and and then ground into duck feed and then the very final image shows ducks eating up those the little crumbs sort of left but there bush was sort of sort of took it to an extreme and there he was mocking the true peter stories in a way and but that kind of combination of violence and punishment and at the same time also suggesting what kids should do and should not do is um it's constantly present in these um the earlier comic strips i find and yeah that's what i try to sort of talk about in this chapter and lay the ground for
0: um So I know we're going to kind of get to the Kids in Comics big project that you're doing right now, the Big (laughs) Project. But can you share with us how you bring some of this, your research, your interests, your passions, into your classrooms, into the teaching of comics?
1: Well, um, for the moment, I I have a research position, so I don't teach very much. Mm. Um,
0: Lucky for you. Can we all sign up for that?
1: yeah I, I I did realize that, that when you when you don't have teaching' you're, there's no structure, mm-hmm. and then one mm-hmm. has a tendency to assume one can do a lot more than one really can <laughs> and, and so it has that that side to it but and, and plus obviously the interaction with students is um is absent right research is lonely business yes
0: um yeah.
1: but when i did um when I did teach comics, they were usually sort of incorporated into literature courses. I find myself in a literature department right now. And so we we looked at them through the lens of intermediality and how they, they can sort of be contextualized in, in a broader context of media interactions. So the most obvious things were adaptations, um, but also comics novels such as Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay and how that sort of interacts with the superhero genres. And obviously Watchmen, which is a big favourite because of its rewriting of the superhero genre. And Mouse because of um, its reworking of trauma. Um, I, it, matter, it matters because I, I, I think the students really appreciated this contemporary elements because well this breaking away from what literature is or can be but also trying to understand how all media sort of interact with one another they're not sort of they're not hermetic holes or they're Mm -hmm. not self-contained and it's nice to sort of try and figure out how fluid these the boundaries really are between media so it, it was very easy to get students interested. And um, but I also found that some of them, because they were literature students, they were, quite, they were quite hesitant about dealing with images. So it was also nice to try and break that barrier regarding the image and talking about the image.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so yeah, tell us about your comics project there and what you're discovering what what your methods are yeah just all of the above
1: huh okay great uh, so this is um, this is a five-year project that involves several researchers I, I think it will be a total of five people eventually right now we're only the three other people besides me um so it started in fall 2018 and we Hopefully, we can keep on going until 2023. And the idea was to create a kind of intercultural history of comics through looking at children in European comics since um, 1865, which is the year that Maxim Moritz was published. And so the tenant was that the child, the figure of the child, is a very complex figure anyway, but it's also something that changes a lot. Through through time and through modernity, with all the scientific and technological changes, but also the many um, um, far-reaching events, right? Right. The World War is the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s, and so on. And another element was trying to use sort of so so use expertise from two fields: so childhood studies on one hand, and comic studies on the other. It's um, it's, um, I, I find that these fields don't talk too much to each other and it, it would make more sense that they do. Of course, now we have some great work out there by Laura Sagisag, um, Christina Meyer, um, Michelle and Abit, who is um, very close to you. And so there is research out there on children in comics, but this still has, it hasn't been seen or they haven't been seen in this broad, from a broader historical perspective. And we're trying to, well, we're still only starting, so we've got um Donna Purcell who's start doing a PhD project on the Beano, a British comics magazine, and she's trying to find see how to read these um comics children. Then we've got Eva van der de Wille, who's working on two major italian and spanish magazines that were a little that started a little before the Binos, the early 1900s and we've got benoit crucifix recently is going to talk about uh going to work on how the connections between children's drawings and comics so we so the project has these two elements it's trying to instruct uh, or offer history through fallen children in comics, but it's also trying to interrogate the notions of childishness that's attached to, that are attached to comics and sort of that we consider them through a critical angle because there's this element of the childishness of the style, right? And then this childish, childish lack of logic or humour mm-hmm. that can be... No, that I, that I find quite exciting to unpack. And we're also very interested in formats, so how formats ch- can change or have an impact on the kinds of children, child characters that are portrayed, which formats are more important at which period and which context, so, yeah
0: so the comic strip versus the comic book versus the comic that appears in a magazine versus yeah, yeah. yeah. um and the graphic there,
1: novel child
0: there is an um a moment in that you were talking about kind of intermedial intermodal transmodal modes and there's a you know with winsor mckay and others of course there was a moment when you had the comic strip and the animated yeah film working together growing together right yeah exciting exciting um and so where is for you the kind of heartbeat of comics comic studies comics today Hmm.
1: i i think it's um it's everywhere right it's it's what's fascinating for me is that comic studies has really grown at this exponential rate, right? When I started my PhD there wasn't half as much out or I don't know a tenth of the material out there. And it's been it's been diversifying in a in a wonderful way, right? So there there is obviously this interest in diversity with these new char- characters and these there's a diversification of production on one hand, but a diversification of research as well. So we've moved away from literary studies departments. We've got colleagues from visual studies, communications studies, what not, and they come up with different kinds of questions, and all of that is sort of interacting with each other. So it's 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 um, it's multidisciplinary, and I think that's part of its um, life force in a way, and Comics production is just, it's hard to grasp, right? Because you have everything. You can find every, these, yeah, this massive variety of um, mainstream and alternative and artsy and literary comics. And I, yeah, that's, I guess, diversity involves me. Yeah, no, exciting.
0: Um, If I know you are kind of, immersed in all sorts of comics children's comics right now for your big um comics project but is there is there a comic that you have on your nightstand or on your kind of in your living room right now that you're just enjoying to enjoy
1: huh i i actually have my favorite thing is monsters which yeah which i'm really enjoying reading it for the i don't know up to the time
0: right i know i love that book too yeah absolutely um it's the comic it's the it's the comic that keeps on giving and giving and giving right
1: um otherwise i have um i have a french comic that is wordless it came out it's, it's it came out a few years ago right now it's by pascal mattie it's um yeah it's about the it, it, the title is after these um tadpoles mm. that you also get in the form of um you have sweets these i think haribu makes them as well so you have these these tadpole sweets and it's named after that and it's it, it's very it's very distinct and I, well, I don't have a copy with me to show you but I can send you an image later on it's one of those rare comics that is about that has a child the, the author the artist himself but it's, it's full of just very happy memories there's nothing there's nothing traumatic and it. it's just very peaceful um, yeah it's and it works it, it's
0: yeah, we need joy right now. Lots of joy and peacefulness and happiness, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, uh, Mahin Ahmed from Ghent University, uh, author of many books and undergoing this um, tremendous comic studies data, big data project with children and comics. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks a lot.